Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Psalms, chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. Let's read God's good word together. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, just last week, my daughter started kindergarten. And so you can imagine how I've been feeling just a little bit anxious. I'm wondering if you're feeling any anxiety today as you're watching this. Well, it's been kind of an anxious time. And, and you know, back to school time has me a little bit worried anyway. And I worry about all the things that could happen as my daughter's going back to school. And, you know, I wonder, is she going to have friends? Are other kids going to like her? And, you know, she's, she's a, an only child, so is she going to be able to relate to other kids well, or will she get along really well with her teacher and not really know? And especially since, you know, spring break lasted for five months, like, is she going to be able to adjust? And, uh, and, you know, all of the things that normally go along with back to school are on my mind, and, and then you just throw 2020 on top of it. And then it's everything else, and, and we've got to go A days and B days, and we're on the A schedule. And so we're just figuring out, you know, what does it look like for, for these uncertified instructors to try to teach our daughter uh, Wednesday through Friday? And, and, you know, how is all of this going to work? And, you know, we're in Edmond Public Schools, and I really appreciate the, all that the administrators and teachers are going through to try to keep all the children safe and to allow them to, to learn together. But, but there's just so much that, and I, that I worry about and that I wonder about. And I think, you know, my daughter can wear a mask for a little while. But how long is that really going to last? And is she going to keep it on? And will the other kids keep it on? And they're just all of these things that are going on right now. And, you know, if, if back to school isn't enough, there's, the, you know, life ongoing in the midst of a pandemic and figuring out how are we going to respond whenever numbers are going up. And, and we're seeing that across the country. And, and whenever we wonder, you know, how is the economy going to fare? And particularly in Oklahoma, we're worrying about the, the state of the energy industry and their wildfires in California. And we had hurricanes hit just a few days ago. And, and we've also seen the shooting of Jacob Blake and all the anxiety that goes with that. And people are wondering if they're safe. And uh, black and brown people in our country are wondering, is this a safe place for them? There's so many anxieties and fears going on in our, in, our, in our nation and in our world. And there are a lot of good things that we should be worried about. But sometimes whenever we feel afraid, those fears take us to a place that we don't want to be that we wouldn't have chosen if we were thinking clearly. And so today we're going to look at fear. What can we do whenever we feel afraid? And how can we keep fear from getting the best of us? My name is Brandon Blackson. I'm the associate pastor here at Acts 2. And we're in the midst of a sermon series called All the Feels, When Emotions Get the Best of Us. And we recognize that all of us have emotions, that they're a gift from God, and that they can be a wonderful gift whenever they're working the way that they, are, that they ought to. And it's sometimes we know that our emotions get the best of us, that they function in ways that aren't particularly helpful, that they function in ways that lead us astray. And so we're really asking the question, how can we take all the feels, all the emotions that we have, and, and not let them get the best of us, so that our families, our community, so that our world can get the best of us, so that God can get the best of us. And so this is kind of where we've been, where we started out was, was what God really cares about. And so what God cares about is not our religiosity, 
but our hearts, not the number of times per day that we pray, not how many scriptures we had memorized, not how many times we go to church in person or online or both or one or the other or any of those things. What God really cares about is our hearts. This is what the book of Proverbs says in uh, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And earlier in the sermon series, Pastor Mark had a great illustration where he had um, a glass full of M&Ms and, and recognized that our hearts are like the M&Ms and, and whenever they spill, what's revealed is what was already in there. Whenever our, our emotions bubble up, whenever they get the best of us, what comes out of us is what's already in our hearts. And so really throughout this series, we're asking how can we we get God into our hearts? How can we ask God to purify our hearts so that whenever we do bubble up, whenever things do come out, it's not things that we regret, things that we wish weren't there. And I love this quote from Amanda Palmer. If you don't deal with your demons, they go into the cellar of your soul and lift weights, right? If we have these, these emotional responses inside of us, if we don't wrestle with them to, to help them become healthy, then what happens is if we just try to deny and suppress them, eventually they come out. And the way they come out is usually worse than if we just dealt with them in the first place. And so we've been looking at emotions like guilt, like envy. And last week we talked about anger. And uh, what Pastor Mark shared with us is that you will be angry. Don't let it make you stupid. Because we've all been in situations where, uh, to paraphrase one of the quotes that we heard last week, where we made the best speech that we ever regretted because we were angry, because we let our anger get the best of us. And so we heard this wisdom from the book of James. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. And we know in, in those moments, whenever we get really heated, whenever we feel like we've been wronged and we're good and mad about it, it, it feels really like righteous anger. But most of the time it ends up being just self-righteousness not God's righteousness. And so we want to make sure that anger doesn't get the best of us. And this week we're talking about fear. How, what do we do when fear gets the best of us, and how can we prevent it from doing so? Because as we just talked about, there are a whole lot of things going on right now that stoke our fears, that make us afraid, that make us worried, and, and make us anxious. And one of the things, it's easy to just kind of write off fear and say that it's a bad thing, but like all emotions, fear is valuable. But it causes problems whenever it controls us. Fear is a good thing for us to have. It's helpful. It's a, it's a gift from God. But whenever it gets into the driver's seat, it can take us places that we don't want to go. Fear can paralyze us in the face of challenges. Sometimes it can even bring our fears to fruition. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've got a, a big project, something that I'm working on, and, and it's just so overwhelming, I, I don't even know where to start because I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid that it'll go wrong. And then I don't start. And then by the time I finally do start, it's too late to do it well. And then because I was afraid of failing, I do fail. Because I was afraid to start, I ended up, the thing that I was afraid of came to fruition. I, I didn't do it well because my fear led me to procrastinate. Maybe that's happened to you. And so fear can lead to things that, that we don't intend whenever we let it control us. And sometimes in extreme situations, we even see that fear can lead us to justify behavior that is clearly immoral. 
and we look at situations, things that have happened throughout history um, that, that we wonder, you know, how could people have ever gotten behind this? How can ever people have ever thought this was right? We look at things like, like slavery, like the, the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II at, at lynchings, at, at so many things like that, at, at the Holocaust. And we wonder, you know, how could people have let this happen? And in many of those cases, it was because they were afraid. They let their fear get the best of them. Because, they sat, because of that, they sat by and sometimes even perpetuated evils that today we can only speak of, shaking our heads and wondering how it was even possible for people to do that. And so it's absolutely crucial for us to make sure that we can master our fear and not let it master us. Because we will feel fear. Feel fear. It's going to happen. We're humans. It's, it's a natural emotion and not even a bad thing. But whenever it gets the best of us, terrible things can happen. And so we want to make sure that fear does not get the best of us. And so to start out, we're going to look at what is fear. What is fear really? Well, fear comes from our response to a perceived threat. It's whenever we think, when we feel like something is a threat, whenever we're worried about it, we feel afraid. Um, there's a psychologist named Seth Gillihan. He's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, and he defines these words that are related to fear. He says, fear happens in the presence of whatever scares the person. Now, in contrast, he continues, anxiety involves an imagined threat that may or may not materialize. And then worry is a specific type of anxiety in which we repeatedly think about feared outcomes in situations of uncertainty. And these are three words that we use fairly interchangeably in our culture. You know, we don't always have these precise definitions in mind, but they're all related. And so as we're going through this, talking about fear and worry and anxiety, I just want us to remember all of these things are related together. And and again, they're not necessarily bad. In the right amount, anxiety can motivate us to take action. Whenever we feel anxiety and take the appropriate action, that's actually a good thing. And so whenever you wake up in the morning and you look at the clock and you see that you have a 45-minute commute and it's an hour before you have to be at work, if you feel enough anxiety to get out of bed and get moving, then that's a helpful response. But in the wrong amount, anxiety can leave us immobilized. And, and so whenever that happens, if you, know, if you don't feel enough anxiety, you just stay in bed and say, oh, that's, you know, if I don't get moving, I'm going to be late. But I don't feel any anxiety about it, so I'm just going to stay in bed. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Well, you'll find out if you don't get out of bed. But then on the other hand, if, if you see the clock and you think, oh my gosh, I only have 15 minutes to get out of the door, there's no way that I could ever do this and, and just become paralyzed, then it's actually unhelpful, right? Because it's the same thing as, as feeling too little. Nothing happens because you're too overwhelmed with anxiety. And, and so we, we experience these things and, and sometimes they, um, they get really out of, out of perspective and out of control and they cause us to be unable to act or to act in ways that are unhelpful or, or counterproductive. And especially um, during this year in the quadrennium that we find ourselves in, in an election year, a presidential election year at that, we know that our fears are stoked for political gain. That one of the things that, that people who are running for office and trying to get candidates elected want us to feel is fear about the prospect of their opponent winning. And political strategist Rick Wilson had this to say. He said, fear is the simplest emotion to tweak in a campaign ad. And you've experienced that. You might have experienced that a few minutes before you actually started uh, church online today, is that people want us to be afraid so that we'll run to them and vote for them. 
And, and we're feeling that. And it's easy to give in to those anxieties and think, oh my gosh, what happens if the Democrats win? Oh my gosh, what happens if the Republicans win? And to feel that disproportionate anxiety and fear. And so in the face of all these things that are happening, all the reasons that we have to be afraid, all the things that are going on, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says, do not be afraid. I know you hear that and you think, oh, wow, thank you. That is so helpful. It's kind of like whenever you're upset and someone tells you to calm down, like, wow, thank you. That didn't occur to me. If, if I would have just thought about it, I could have just calmed down. I wouldn't be upset at you anymore. It doesn't usually work like that, does it? In fact, if you say that to an upset person, they're likely to become more upset. And, you know, if you tell someone who's afraid or try to tell yourself not to be afraid, that, that's not really helpful. And, you know, sometimes we even feel shame. And, you know, if you're a religious person, a follower of Jesus, and, and you feel afraid, sometimes we feel like if, if our faith was just stronger, then we wouldn't be afraid. Then we wouldn't be afraid because the Bible tells us not to. And I'm somehow failing God because I do feel afraid. And so one of the things that we see when we look at this phrase in the scripture is the phrase, do not be afraid, appears in the Bible over 100 times. And so it comes up a lot. And and that's an important question. What do I do with this? Am I a bad Christian if I do feel afraid? Because clearly the Bible tells me not to. Well, I think what we'll see is whenever we do feel afraid, the reason that that's repeated so many times is because God knows that we will be afraid and that really bad things can happen whenever fear overcomes us. And so what I want to look at is how the disciples responded to one particular instance of fear and the fear that they felt whenever Jesus was arrested and crucified and how they responded to that. And, and so uh, we're going to look at the, the night before Jesus was crucified, after the, he had had his last supper with the disciples and went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he was speaking with them. And, and this is what Mark tells us. Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. And so I can imagine that the disciples were feeling terrified in that moment. And, and so it, how did they respond to that? They felt the fear, surely, if, if they were human at all. And so how did they respond? Well, in the face of an armed crowd coming to arrest Jesus, all of the disciples ran away. And Mark doesn't really uh, sugarcoat it at all. This is how he says it. All of them deserted him, deserted Jesus, and fled. They ran off. The people who had been following him for three years, who who were the closest to him, who had had the chance to hear his teaching and then uh, to even have him go into more detail just for them, to see all of his miracles. And even so, they were the ones who abandoned him whenever he needed them most. And it doesn't stop there. Peter came back around. He didn't just totally abandon Jesus, but wanted to try to overhear what was happening in the trial that was going on in the chief priest's house. And so um, he went and listened in, but whenever he was there, he was challenged. And they asked him, you know, aren't you one of them? I thought I saw you. Aren't you one of the people who follow Jesus? And Peter, the rock on whom Jesus would build the church, denied even knowing Jesus, denied even knowing him. Now, Jesus had named him Rock. It wasn't like this is a name that sounds kind of like Rock. I mean, the name Peter didn't exist before this Peter was named. Jesus was literally calling him Rock because he was going to be the foundation of the church. And yet whenever push came to shove, when he was afraid, that Rock didn't turn out to be very sturdy. It wasn't much of a foundation to build upon. He denied Jesus. And so here's one of the things that I want you to know. If you feel worried, if you feel anxious, if you feel afraid, you're not alone. 
Even the people who were closest to Jesus felt afraid and, and not only felt it, but allowed it to lead them to abandon their Lord, to abandon the one that they cared about most in the world, the one that they believed was the Savior, the Messiah. They allowed their fear to get the best of him and totally abandoned Jesus. And so if you've been struggling with fear, with anxiety, with worry, you're not alone. You're, you're human. You're doing the thing that all of us do. Even the people who would become the leaders of the church felt worry and felt fear and let it get the best of them sometimes. But that's not where we want to stop. We don't want to say, well, that's it. I guess worry is just going to get the best of me. That's it. I guess anxiety is just going to always have me in its grip. That's not where we want to live. And that's not where the disciples stopped either. Because on the next Sunday, just two nights later, they would find out that the tomb was empty. And they heard a story about two disciples who were walking to a place called Emmaus who told that Jesus had appeared to them. And so the, the other disciples gathered together, the twelve were gathered together, and while they were talking about the story they had heard, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. They were so scared whenever Jesus first appeared to them, even though they had heard that the tomb was empty, and they had even heard that Jesus had appeared to two other disciples, they were terrified. And yet, what does Jesus say to them whenever he appears to them? What does Jesus say to them? He says, peace be with you. To people who are terrified out of their minds, who had locked themselves into the room because they were afraid of what might happen to them, that the people who killed Jesus might come for them next, he said, peace be with you. Because the resurrected Jesus brings brings peace even to those who denied him. The resurrected Jesus brings peace even to those who denied him. And he brings peace to all of us as well. All of us, even those of us who are terrified, who struggle with anxiety, who who feel like we can't stop worrying, he brings us his peace. And because he is risen, we do not have to be controlled by fear. Yes, we will feel fear. It's a natural thing. It's, It's built into our emotional makeup, but it doesn't have to get the best of us. We don't have to allow fear to control us. We don't have to live in fear because Jesus is risen and we can trust in him. And in fact, after Jesus' resurrection, eventually the disciples became so unafraid that even suffering did not discourage them. The very thing that they had fled from whenever they saw that crowd with weapons coming at them, they didn't run from. At one point after Pentecost, whenever the Holy Spirit came and and Peter had taught about the risen Jesus, then they went out and were teaching in Jerusalem and were arrested and beaten. And after they left, after being beaten, as they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. The very thing that had caused them to abandon the one they loved most, they ended up conquering that fear and were able to rejoice in it. They were able to rejoice in their sufferings because Jesus had set them free from their fears. And so that's really where we want to live, and and that's what the scripture holds up to us as an example. We also see this in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help, ever-present, always with us, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. In one translation, it says, though the world falls apart, 
we will not fear. God is an ever-present help because we know that the risen Jesus is always with it. Because he is risen and present to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, we knew that we, we know that we do not have to live in fear. That fear does not have to control us or get the best of us. And so even whenever it seems like the world is falling apart, even if we have earthquakes, haven't felt any yet in 2020, knock on wood, sorry if I just jinxed us, but we do not have to let it get the best of us. It doesn't have to control us. And so how do we do that? What are some actions that we can take to actually live that way? We know that Jesus is with us. How do we live faithfully with that knowledge? Here are a few of the ways that we can do that this week. First, acknowledge your fears and reassess them. Really, to start, if we're going to allow fear not to get the best of us, we have to actually acknowledge and accept our fears. We have to recognize that they're there. You know, sometimes we try to deny or suppress them or, or say that it's something else. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but there have been a few times whenever um, I've been in the driveway or in a parking lot and my daughter has run off, you know, and especially if a car is coming, I am terrified that something's going to happen to her. And so I run over and grab her. That's when that adrenaline, that fight or flight response is really helpful. But I grab her and, and then I tell her what she did wrong. And, and usually I do so rather forcefully. And uh, if I'm honest, there's yelling involved as well. Now, I, I, I want to make the point clear to her, but I don't like yelling at her. And I usually regret it after I do. But, but it's easy for me in those situations to say, you made me mad because of what you did. But what it actually is, is fear. I was afraid that something was going to happen to her. And that bubbled over into anger. And so we really have to recognize fear for what it is. And, you know, we can say, oh, you know, it's, it's what the liberals did or, oh, it's what the conservatives did. But sometimes really what it is is our own fear. And so we have to recognize that and, and accept it and then reassess it. We have to reassess our fears because whenever we're really trapped in fear, whenever we're feeling anxious, the, the way that that plays out in our mind is usually not commensurate with the actual reality of the thing. And so we need to reassess our fears. We need to say, how likely is this actually to happen? Um, you know, I could walk outside and be worried about getting struck by lightning, but you know, if it's clear outside, I can be pretty safe, that, pretty well assured that that's not going to happen. Now, if it's, if it's raining and I can see lightning and I'm holding something metal, then I need to rethink that. The, the likelihood is higher. But we need to assess the likelihood. And then the severity of, you know, is this thing actually going to be as bad as I think it is? And are there facts that I can gather? Is there research that I can do that will help me understand this better? Now, Googling your symptoms usually not particularly helpful, but, but in other cases there is research that we can do. There are facts that we can find that will help us to understand our fears better. And then the next step after, after we've acknowledged and reassessed our fears, then we face our fear with action. We take that first step. And so sometimes whenever we're afraid of something, we just avoid it. We just say, you know, I could never do that. I could never deal with that. And, and we just put it off and, and let things fester. And that only makes our fears worse and usually intensifies the situation that we're going through. And so whenever you're in that situation, whenever you're afraid of something, what's one step that you could take? If you have a phobia of making phone calls, you know, maybe you don't need to make an hour phone call that's going to be contentious, but you might just start by calling a business and asking what their hours are. Call your bank if you need to go by there and just say, how long are you open today? And that's it. And, you know, that may not be earth shattering, but you've made a phone call. And then the next day, maybe you call and order takeout. All you have to do is tell them what you want to eat, what's your name and phone number, and, and that's it. You've made another. And so if we just take a step, if we face our fears, we can actually start to overcome them. And something that starts out really small 
can become something that's really great and can take us to a place that just a few days ago we thought was impossible. And so we take action. And maybe for you what that action looks like, whenever you're taking action, what that looks like is, is calling a counselor, calling a therapist. We believe that, that counseling and therapy are wonderful around here. Uh, many of our staff have participated in it. But, you know, sometimes we're going through things and, and our anxiety is just beyond what we can get a hold of by ourselves and, and we need help. And, you know, one of the, the most courageous things that we can do is to ask for it. Then limit your exposure to social media and the news. You know, there's something new every day that, that maybe we should be afraid of. You know, there are some things that are real threats, but the 24-hour news cycle, the, the constant feed of information through social media can just blow things totally out of proportion. And for a lot of us, one of the habits that we've picked up is just scrolling mindlessly. And I don't know about you, but that has never made me feel a whole lot better whenever I've done that. And so if we can get in that habit of just spending less time, you know, say I'm going to check the news once a day, um, whenever I get up from 7 to 7.30 and then I'll be done for the day or I'll spend this time on social media and then, um, you know, put your phone away after that, I think we'll feel a lot less anxious. And instead, fill yourself with things that are wholesome that will remind you of what's most important. Practice Bible before phone. Fill yourself with wisdom from the Psalms. Maybe this week just read Psalm 46 every day and remind yourself that even though the world may fall apart, you will not fear because God is an ever-present help. And then finally, release your worries to God. Breathe and pray. You know, we can, we can face our fears. We can take the action that we can take. And then we recognize, you know, for some things that we're facing, there's only so much that we can do. And we just have to find a way to move forward. And so we do the things that we can. We pray and ask God to do the things that we can't. And then we step forward in faith. And one of the best things that we can do whenever we're really feeling worried and fearful is just to breathe. Because whenever we're feeling anxious, whenever we're really worried, our, our breath will pick up. It'll be faster and shallower, and, and that just reinforces the things that are going on in our minds. And whenever we stop, whenever we take deep breaths, we can remind ourselves in whose hands we are. We can remember that God is with us. And as we breathe in, we can remind ourselves that when we are created, we are filled with the breath of God, with God's Spirit. And so breathe and pray. This is what Paul says in the book of Philippians. He says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. And so we pray, we lift up things to God, and then we trust, and we breathe in God's peace, and we rest in that. This is how Psalm 46 ends. Toward the end of it, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the, in the nations. I am exalted in the earth. And whenever we're afraid, that's what we need to remember, that we're not in charge, that COVID isn't in charge, that all of the things that are going on, that whoever's elected president, ultimately they're not in charge. God is. God is never present help in times of trouble. We know that no matter what, God is with us. You know, there's sometimes that my daughter wakes up in the middle of the night and is upset because she has a bad dream. And what does she want whenever that happens? Well, first she wants in mom and dad's bed, and the answer to that is always no. And so second best is, well, one of you come and lay down with me. 
And so usually that's me. And so I'll go and, and lay down with her. And, and, you know, she's all worked up and afraid. But, but something about just having me there. And, you know, there's not really much. I can't do anything to change her dreams. But something about just having me next to her allows her to calm and fall back asleep. And usually by the time that happens, I've also fallen asleep as well. And I wake up with a sore back and, you know, not having slept very well. But just my presence with her allows her to rest in peace. And that's how it is for us. Fear doesn't have to get the best of us because we know we're never alone. God is with us. The risen Christ is with us. And so we may fear, we will fear, but it doesn't have to get the best of us. We pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.